The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We are doing schedule day. Yes, that's right. We're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers schedule. We're going to rank it from the best games to the worst games. Actually, we'll go worst to best. Regardless, we're going to talk about all the games, why they're, why they're in those categories. We'll discuss that all. We're going to also talk about the Milwaukee Bucks schedule. That came out yesterday. I have a few notes from that um, that I noticed. I think it's you know in, interesting to say the least. You never know how it all shakes out at the end of the day, who's good, who's not. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Then we'll talk about the Brewers and their 2-1 loss yesterday to the Dodgers. I was there in person. I will explain why the Brewers pitching is ready for the playoffs and why the hitting is not. Uh, we'll discuss that and more. All right, we're on every podcast platform you can find. Hopefully we'll be a little bit earlier than today. We've had a little bit of technical difficulties to start, which has pushed us back. Um, so hopefully that won't happen often. I'm working really hard to try to get you guys podcasts on the morning commute, especially as those who are looking for something new with the departure of SSP. We want to be there for you. And if you are a podcast listener and you've been listening for a while and you know you have friends who are WSSP people, you should be sharing our podcast. There's no reason that you shouldn't be sharing our podcast, okay? That is your goal. That is what I'd like to see. You don't have to show me receipts. But that is what we should be doing here because they need a new home. And I hopefully can be that new home for them at least for 30. And if you're listening to me and Mitch, an hour long podcast. That's how I hope that we can bring that to you. Yes, it isn't four hours of radio. I apologize. Um, if someone wants to pay me the big bucks to do four hours of radio, we will do four hours of radio. But until then, um, it is going to be a half an hour to an hour show. Uh, so we are there for those people. We're on everything where you can get your, po- your podcast, Apple, Spotify, the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports everywhere else. TikTok's been blowing up uh, with the Hunter Renfer video this week. So that's good to see. It's been a while since we've got, got a banger. So that looks good. And we have a lot coming today. So it should be a good day for the TikTok as well as Instagram. But TikTok has been our focus. Trying to get that page to 500 before football season. I would say it's... Eh, we're close. We need like one one or two more big videos to get up to that 500 level. So I, I'm hoping hoping we get there. That'd be great. Uh, great way to start a season. All right, I've rambled enough about promo stuff. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers schedule. So Green Bay Packers kick off their season in a couple weeks, uh, September 11th against the Minnesota Vikings. I think at the beginning of the season, everybody is super excited for what's ahead, right? You look at it and you're like, oh my God, Packer season is here. Like, let's get fired up. Let's let's be hyped because it's just football's back, and you're you're just so excited to have football back. And as the season goes on, there are weeks where you're like, all right, well, you know, if I I don't watch a ton, like that's okay. Or if I if I need to go do this errand with my wife, like that's fine. Like I I can survive. Uh, solid verbal would always call it the window of opportunity, right? Where there's usually a slate during the college football schedule where you look at it and you're like, all right, I can I can go out and do this. Like I'll I'll sometimes do grocery shopping when you know the Packers play at noon. I might head out at the 325 game and do grocery shopping. And that might be something I do, you know, as a way to be like, all right, you know, I'm helping out doing something because the 325 game I have zero interest in. And I don't have red zone or anything like that. And we could do a red zone discussion on the other day. I have a weird relationship with Red Zone. Let's just put it that way. Um, so something that we should definitely talk about that in another show. But yeah, you know, so to bring it back, like there are there are games you've fired up for and there are games that you're kind of not. And so we have four categories of how we looked at the schedule, how we broke down the schedule. And they're listed like this. 
games that I if I missed, I wouldn't be too mad. I think you're mad if you miss any Packer game. I try to explain this to my wife about like there are only 17 games on the schedule, right? There are only 17 of these all season. And yes, football goes forever. It goes from September to February. But if you're lucky, you get maybe 21 games all season. And you boil that down to what the baseball season is. You boil that down to what the Bucks season is. And yes, I know the problem probably on her end is like, you're a fan of everything. So literally you could watch sports every day, every night. That is true, right? Like that is definitely true. And I try to watch as much as I can. Obviously, sometimes we miss miss stuff, but it's very rare. I, I don't, honestly, I can't remember the last Brewer game I missed. Like I think the Brewers-Cubs game on Friday will be the first one I missed in a while, and or definitely the one on Saturday with the wedding. Like, I, I don't think we have a TV in the room or anything like that, so I don't think I'll be watching much of Brewers-Cubs this weekend in general, and that'll probably be the first like full series I missed in quite some time. Like, I'd have to look back, but I will obviously you know watch highlights and things like that to get myself ready for the podcast. I don't know if I can record from Valley. I can definitely record Saturday's game, so maybe I will to kind of deep dive that, but regardless like yeah so i i get her point but at the same token like yeah you just don't want to miss packer games you try to work your schedule around whatever is going on packer sunday so if a game's at noon you plan for something at 325 or vice versa it's a 325 game you plan for stuff around the noontime hour so that yes you might miss something during that noon hour but you're you're not necessarily it's not gonna be the end of the world i think people who are like i can't be interrupted for a full day of NFL or a full day of college football, it's tough luck. It really is. Like there, there's always opportunity to make sure that you're doing stuff around the house. And it's not like you can't do chores around the house while watching football. That's the other thing. Like I, I just, I don't know. I think we're we have a little bit of a warped sense of reality. Uh, so it goes both ways. Let's just put it that way. All right, I've rambled long enough. Let's go to the category of I wouldn't be too mad if. I missed part of this game or missed the full game. Um, number 17, it's the Packers and the Commanders. I think you just look at the, the opposition, right? The Commanders, not expected to be that good. Carson Wentz at quarterback. The stadium does not bring you that much excitement. Um, usually there's bad weather. Um, there's just no real reason. I guess the only thing you have there is the fact the color matchup between the Packers and the Commanders is really nice. You have the burgundy with the yellow, uh, the gold, to, or the gold, really. And you have that also with Washington. So I, th- I think there is something there from a color perspective and from a watchability, like that itself is nice. But I don't really, I'm not really getting fired up for a matchup against the Commanders. Could this change? Yes, if Washington starts out hot for some reason, then yeah, this game gets moved up because it becomes a little more important. Maybe there's some playoff implications to it. But but where it is and what the commanders are expected to be on paper, that to me is the game that's at the bottom of my list. Number 16, it's the Packers versus the Jets. It's the week before that, week six. Uh, I, I just look at that and say, all right, it's the Jets could be good. They could be this young, exciting team. Uh, Robert Sala obviously has experience coaching against his buddy Matt LaFleur. Feel like that's a bigger angle or Malifar coaching against his brother than the two teams on the field. The Jets are supposed to be a young, exciting bunch. They had the Zach Wilson injury. Uh, he could be back week one, but it sounds like it's going to be Joe Flacco. So I would imagine you have Zach Wilson back by then. But I think the Jets are still a year away from being something special. I wouldn't be surprised if they surprise a few teams like the Jets and the Texans are kind of in that category for me. I don't think the Packers will let that happen at home. 
but you never know. Um, so yeah, that could, game could get more intense, but it's a non-divisional game. It's There's no real implications. Like Even if the Packers were to lose, while it would be disappointing and embarrassing, it doesn't really affect Packers because you're losing to a team outside of your conference, and that's like the fifth or sixth tiebreaker at the end of the day. So there isn't a ton of weight to that one. Number 15, I have the Packers-Bears game two. So it's one in Chicago. It's later in the season. I realize it's a rivalry game. I totally understand that. But if we're being realistic, the Bears shouldn't be good. Like, that'll be a day where we have conversations about this being the Bears' Super Bowl. This is the only thing the Bears can hang their hat on. I don't exactly like playing the Bears in December because of this, right? I, usually it's it's that. And it's Chicago is maybe two years away so I don't, I don't really necessarily worry about the Bears coming on strong or the Bears trying to make a statement here or the Bears being a French playoff team. And while Packer-Bear is an exciting rivalry, I don't look at the second game as, as much as I do the first game. And, and this will be a consistent theme throughout this, throughout this segment. Um, so yeah, uh, Packer-Bear game two like does not, doesn't do a ton for me. And it's at Soldier Field cold weather game like I don't know Soldier Field's not again an aesthetic thing I'm not necessarily looking forward to the Packers playing at Soldier Field lastly on this list would be Packers Lions last game of the season uh I that was the last game I think that I didn't watch in totality I was in Hawaii so I watched I did get to watch the first half which was cool but that was the last time that I like missed a significant chunk chunk of a game and it's the last game of the season. I don't expect the Lions to be a playoff team. I know some people do. Um, I think they're crazy. I just don't see it with the Lions. So I think by then the Lions would pack it in. Hopefully the Packers have their seeds secure so they don't have to do much. And it's a Jordan Love game at Lambeau Field in the early part of July. Moving on to games that scratch the edge. So like, you know, yeah, you need football, right? Like during the fall, like you miss football, especially when you get out of like the crazy stretch, like early on here, we're gonna have game on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then we have NFL starts on Thursday, then we're back to college on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's like an amazing stretch. Like this like early part of September is the fucking best. Like it's so good. You also have playoff baseball going on, or not playoff baseball, but end of the year baseball. So teams fighting for playoff spots, that's happening. And then you kind of cool down. Like then it's like, all right, I just need to watch, you know, my team play on Saturday or Sunday to scratch that itch. And these are what those games are. I have Packers Lions game one. So we just talked Packers Lions. Uh, it's the middle of the season. Uh, it is a potential trap game for the Green Bay Packers because they play Buffalo Bills the week before. They play the Dallas Cowboys the week after. So it's a really tight, tough game potentially for Green Bay, even though what I said about the Lions is true. I don't expect them to be that good. I just see it's one that the Packers could could get got at. Let's just put it that way. And they haven't lost to the Lions, I think in a couple of years. I'd have to look back, but it's, it's been a while. And I'm, I'm sure that Dan Campbell wants to beat the Green Bay Packers. So it's definitely going to be, I think, a more challenging game. And it's one that while I have it at the scratch itch, it could certainly be a closer one than we expect. And it could be one of those that you need Aaron Rodgers to bail you out at the end for a game-winning field goal by Mason Crosby. That That is potentially what you're, what you're looking at here with Packers-Lions game one. 
I have Packers Patriots next. I, I think that might be a surprising one to people because you look at the Patriots and you're like, well, they don't play the Patriots that often. It's a 325 game. There's obviously some national hype around this one. But I, I don't really see it, right? I don't know how good the Patriots are going to be. I think they're a 500 football team. I think if things break right, maybe they make the playoffs. But it's a very crowded AFC. Mac Jones, I don't know, with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge at offensive offensive coordinator. Their defense is is good, and it, so it should be a defensive struggle between the two teams. So that might make it a little bit more of a boring game. I'm not that excited about Packer Patriots, I'll be honest with you. Um, that's one of the like primetime games I guess I look at and I'm like, does really nothing for me. Number 10, it's Bears Pack, or I'm sorry, number 11, pardon me. It's Bears Packers. I think I, I missed one there. Uh, Bears Pack, or Bears Packers game one. So Bears Packers game one, I realize you're like, Charlie, that's kind of low for like the second game, the home opener. I hear you. But it's still Bears-Packers, and Bears-Packers has not been a legitimate rivalry in a few years. Even when the Bears were good in 2018, the Packers fucking sucked. So we, it would be nice to get Bears-Packers back to legitimacy. It's been since the you know start of the 2010s, and a new era of Bears football, maybe that is. Uh, but I'm not convinced it's going to happen week two. They're still going to be getting their feet underneath them. It is, you know, Matty Eberflus's second game. It's Justin Fields' second game with a new system. I'm not ready to say, like, that's going to be an awesome game. And now I could look wrong in, you know, where I ranked game two uh, for Packers-Bears. Who knows? Maybe the Bears, you know, have this surprising season and that game could decide the Bears' playoff fate. I highly doubt that, but you just never know. So I, that's where I have it. Um, with the understanding of that Packers Bears game one, you know, might not have that much significance besides just wanting to beat the Bears and keep the rivalry going. Number nine, it's Packers Vikings game two. So that will be a prime time prime time ish game, four twenty five game or three twenty five, excuse me, uh, game on January first. I'm not like that thrilled about it, um, honestly. Like I don't see the Vikings as a contender for the NFC North title. Maybe a wild card. So yeah, there might be some implications there. But that game could be more important to the Vikings than it is the Packers. Packers might have the chance to play spoiler. Um, and the Vikings, I've seen them struggle, you know, in the cold or down the stretch. Like that's usually the best time to be playing the Vikings. So that game, while it could have more significance. I highly doubt that it will. So that's where I have it at the game number two, just based on what I've seen from the Vikings in the past. Maybe the Vikings are this juggernaut that people expect them to be. I heard Colin, Colin Coward think that the Vikings could win 13 games. If that's the case, then yeah, that, that is near must-see TV because that could be deciding the division in week number 17. The next game on that list is Packers-Dolphins. I'm excited for Packers-Dolphins, but I think that could be, you know, a pendulum game. Like, I think it could be on either end of the spectrum. If the Dolphins break out and Tua has this incredible year, that could be near must-see television. Like, it could be a potential Super Bowl matchup. Like, that may be a little bit intense, but a really good Dolphins defense, Tua and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell versus the Packers corners. Like, there, there's a lot to like about that game. But if the Dolphins are trash, if Tua doesn't live up and Tua and they're about a 500 football team and they're not going to make the playoffs and it's later in the season, it's more about, you know, Aaron Rodgers playing well in Florida, which he's struggled with in the past. Christmas Day, getting the job done, don't embarrassing yourself on national television. 
and that's really that's really all that that game becomes. So Packers Dolphins is there mostly because I don't know what we're gonna get. I don't know if it's going to be more of a must see TV game or if it's gonna be one that you're okay opening presents and ignoring a little bit because the Dolphins aren't very good. I I just I don't have a good read on the Dolphins. Let's just put it that way. Like I'm not making a, a either an over or under bet on the Dolphins unless I look at it and say ah there's an opportunity here. But I I, I don't know. I, I just there's so much to know about that team. All right, worth watching. These are games where it's like you just can't miss them. Like you just can't necessarily miss these games. I wouldn't say they're must see. But, like, you have to try to get yourself in front of a TV. You have to watch 75 to 80% of this game, these games. Number eight on that list is the Packers versus the New York Giants. Now, I know what you're saying. Charlie, Giants aren't going to be that good. What are you doing having them this high? Look, it's Packers in London. It's Packers at 830. Like, that's stuff you should, like, plan for. Like, that's unique, right? Those are those are fun, right? You should, Whether it's, like, having your friends over for, like, a breakfast bar and a Bloody Mary bar, like... That could be something you could do. You could go to a bar. I'm not a huge advocate of watching football games at a bar. It's just not my thing. But that could be something you do because it's, again, unique. Bars will be open early. I'm sure that everybody will do, have specials, fun shit. Like, that's awesome. You could catch a buzz heading in to, to the week week's worth of games. I think, that's, I think that should be fun. And that's why I put the Packers and Giants a little higher than maybe as expected. Uh, number seven on that list is Packers Titans. It's a Thursday night game. It's coming off that Cowboys game. Titans should be good. Um, I I don't know if they'll be as good as they were last year, uh, but I'm betting that they're still going to be all right. And so I still think that's a game worth watching. It's also the Amazon Prime game, so I think that's just interesting in its own right. I love Al Michaels. Uh, I will watch games called by Al Michaels, you know, until the end of time. And hopefully by then it's middle of the it's middle of the season. So hopefully they kind of have their shit together, um, and that that should be a fun one. And looking forward to the Packers against Derrick Henry. I think they'll have the run defense figured out. Um, so could be could be an interesting one um, more than than maybe you think. I know the Packers took care of business against the Titans last year. I'm sure the Titans will be looking for revenge as they return to Lambeau Field. Next on that list, it is the Packers-Vikings game one, opening game of the season. You have to be excited for it. And that has to be one of the top games on your on your list. Um, it just it's, it's just so exciting to have football back. And hopefully the Packers do not let us down like they did last year because that was bad. And it would be even worse if that happened against the Vikings. Uh, it would be, you, think, you thought the reaction after that was bad with the Saints? Imagine if that happens against the Vikings. That would be no bueno. So Packers need to get off on the right foot. Hopefully they do similar to 2020. Number five is Packers Eagles. This might be a little high. I'm gonna I, I might critique my list and be like Packers Eagles a little high. There's a lot of expectations around the Eagles. I don't know if I understand it. Um, this is more maybe a bet that those expectations come to fruition. And there might be some Jalen Hurts MVP buzz. It's kind of the last game of the Thanksgiving week weekend, which will be. An absolutely absurd weekend of sports with the World Cup humming, with you know Michigan, Ohio State, who both figured to be very good. Uh, you have a ton of NFL games on Thursday, and then yeah, a ton of college football as well. Besides Michigan, Ohio State, like the Packers will Packers Eagles will be the last game of that weekend on Sunday night. So I think that's part of it too. You know, it's like as much as you want to take a breath and be like, all right, we're done. It's like you have that game. So it's, it is, I think, sometimes hard as a fan to watch that much sports 
but it's it's the cross we bear, right? It's the cross that we bear. Okay, must-see television. The this, this stuff that you have to watch. Like, it's no questions asked. Maybe you're at the game. Like, you cannot necessarily be, be away from the TV for these games. Packers-Rams, Monday night, Lambeau Field. Potential one-seed matchup between the two teams. What should have been the championship game last year when the Packers would have probably won and got to the Super Bowl, but that's here nor there. Um, definitely a huge matchup. And while I could see some Ram regression and maybe that would knock that down if the Rams weren't as good as they were last year, I think they kind of sneaky have an easier division than they have in years past. Uh, San Francisco, I think it's just completely unknown with Trey Lance. I mean, if Trey Lance blows up, then yeah, that division becomes harder. Uh, Arizona, I, I'm not going to buy into Arizona until I see it for a full season. And then the Seahawks are going to be bad. They're going to be one of the worst teams in football. So you, I, I could see the, I don't see the regression there. And I think that's still going to be a big matchup between the Packers and Rams later in the year. Packers, Buccaneers uh, in week three, I think that will set the tone for a lot of things, right? If the Packers win that game, Assuming Tom Brady's there and whatever's going on right now, Tom Brady is back in the mix. I think you, I think that's a huge game for the season. You know what that defense is about. You know what this Packers offense is about. And if you, you know, look like you don't belong against Tampa Bay again in Tampa Bay, that's a significant issue because if you have to play a playoff game there, how can I trust you? How can I trust and believe that you're going to be this team? So I think it's a massive game during the season, during the early part of the season. And I think getting the Buccaneers early before their coaching staff is all all together and all on the same page, I think is actually a pretty good thing. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see Brady again with a defensive coach like Todd Bowles. It's a little bit different than working with Belichick. And so who knows? It, It might take some time with those guys. And I think the stuff where he's missing time with training camp is a little bizarre. And I don't know what's going on. So who knows? Maybe that game doesn't become must-see when it's Rodgers versus Blaine Gabbert. Number two, Packers-Cowboys. I mean, the Mike McCarthy return, you could easily make a case that this should be number one. Uh, I am actually going to be there for it. I'm very excited. Um, and it's one that you, it's the rating is going to be massive. And the potential handshake before the game with Rodgers and McCarthy, uh, Rodgers wanting to stick it to McCarthy, I mean... It's, it has a chance to be an all-timer. Backer-Cowboy rivalry, obviously. Potentially Josh, jostling for seeds. I expect the Cowboys to be pretty good. I know everyone's shitting on McCarthy and the microscope is very large on that guy. But I, I think it's an absolute banger of a game. And then number one's Packers-Bells. I mean, first of all, the aesthetic, the two teams playing against each other. The Buffalo Stadium at night. It's not Ralph Wilson anymore, but Ralph Wilson at night. Uh, the two fan bases, you know, are very similar um, potential Super Bowl matchup. Um, I'm sure I'll be terrified watching my guy Josh Allen against the Packers. Like Josh Allen, I think is probably my favorite non-Packer. Um, just had him in fantasy a couple times. Like I was talking to somebody else about how much I love Josh Allen. He's just great, and so I, I look forward to Packers Bills. I think it's going to be an awesome football game, and to me, that's the best game of the year. Um, that's the game on the schedule that is you don't miss it for anything it's Halloween weekend too um, so hopefully you're not you could have a you could honestly have a Halloween party for Packers Bills if you wanted to but I wouldn't recommend that's one that like these must-see games are like ones where like you're kind of uninterrupted right like you're just at home watching the game 
kind of left alone um, and you're just watching football. And that to me are, are those, that what defines like a must-see game. You are fully locked in to whatever the Green Bay Packers are doing. All right, let me know your list. Hit me up on Twitter, tap in the keg, tap in the sports on Instagram. I'd love to hear what what you guys think. If you guys think I got something wrong, I, I'd love to hear love to hear some feedback. All right, staying with the topic of schedules, but moving to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks schedule came out yesterday. Uh, there were some interesting things on it. Uh, took a few notes reading through the Bucks schedule. So it's kind of in order of the Bucks schedule, if you will. Uh, six game homestand to start the year. After their first game against Philadelphia, I think is fantastic for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think that's something that can propel the Bucks early in the year. You gotta take advantage of that too, knowing what's coming, which we'll talk about here in a very short minute. Like you have to take advantage of that. I'm not saying you need to win every one of those games, but starting off strong would be imperative for the Milwaukee Bucks, especially because you have to go with 10 of the next 15 games on the road in December. That is an absurd. December schedule that is really really tough for the Milwaukee Bucks so it's imperative to win those games early on because you're going to be playing a ton on the road now if you want to be optimistic about the 10 of 15 on the road I would say it's better it's happening in December versus February right like this is the earlier part of the year for the Bucks, and I think they're fresh it's not like they're going to be tired for the season so maybe it's a good thing that they're getting all these road games early on in the in the year. Um, so you could look at that from a glass half full perspective. But yeah, it's a little. It could mean a slower start for the Bucks, which we saw last season. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess, if that happens again. Just giving all those road games. Really important part about December: the Bucks avoid the Packers on Christmas. Yes, the Bucks are playing at four o'clock on Christmas. That is absolutely perfect. That is the dream of every sports fan. The NBA did it right. Credit to them. They know what the NFL schedule is. They understand what the NFL is. Like they've they do Tuesday night TNT games because of the NFL. Like they need to be smart about this. And they did that with having Buck Celtics at four o'clock on Christmas Day. I think that is absolutely perfect. Um, it's it works beautifully. You have Packers, Dolphins at noon, you have Bucks. Celtics at four. It is a Wisconsin Christmas yet again for the fan base here. Um, you you got to love that. Like you just have to. Um, I'm stoked for it. Um, I would personally flip them. I was kind of talking to you guys about my dilemma with the Packers on Christmas this year. But yeah, it should be fun. Um, looking forward to both games and should be very exciting. You have the Lakers and Warriors also in town in December. Uh, so in those 10 home games, the Lakers and Warriors in town. Lakers a Friday night. Um, so that should be fun. Um, that should be a really fun night in the city. I think Warriors are a Tuesday night, so not not necessarily as fun, but the Bucks had some success in Glen Golden State uh, at home, uh, so hopefully that will continue. I would actually probably prefer to play Lakers a little bit later in the season just because that there's more of a chance of them falling apart. Darvin Ham's return to Milwaukee as well. Uh, so that, that those are some of the notes with December. As we get you know into the season a little bit, uh, they have a back-to-back in Miami um, in middle middle of January. Obviously, very nice for you know the Bucks players, right? Because you're in Miami in the middle of January, and that's great. Um, it also could be an option for people who might want to do a road trip to the Bucks, which is ironic to even discuss because, and we would have to talk about this on the podcast. Um, one of the 
bigger fights Mitchell and I got into. I was off offline. It was just at Nomad. We were drunk. And we got into this huge fight about how, like, you shouldn't, tr- you, why would you travel to, like, a warm weather destination for the Bucks? Because they're playing inside of an arena. It's not like going to a baseball stadium or a football stadium where it's, like, outside and, you, you know, you're able to enjoy the nice weather. Like, you're still going inside to an air-conditioned place. Now you're watching the Bucks outdoors in Miami. But Mitch's whole point was like, you you get the experience. Now Miami's a really fucking expensive city in general. Like it's not not a cheap place to go vacation. Like even if you're going with your wife or something. But the fact that the Bucks play a Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening game, and then a Saturday morning game that they will definitely be hungover for and will definitely lose. Like Bucks Heat at noon is like an underbet already. Like that's one you just immediately throw it out because and that's actually the same weekend i think is wild card weekend so that's that's special that the nba is is having day games right before wild card weekend i'm into it um but yeah the bucks are gonna be hung over for that that's no there's no way around that i know not a lot of them drink but that's just i i like you just have to know like you know you have to build that expectation in it's kind of tough um with two in miami but yeah it's definitely one that could be a travel option for bucks fans they want to make the trip February is fucking brutal. Um, if you look at that February schedule and teams who are on paper that are supposed to be good, it's like they play every good team in February. Um, they don't really get any air to breathe. And then they play the Magic, I think, the first day of March. And even the Magic, like I think, are going to be a sneaky fringe, maybe playoff team. They could be this year's Cleveland, in my opinion. So I don't know. Like It's not an easy schedule uh, in February. And so the Bucks are going to definitely have to hang on Make sure they keep their heads head above water during that time. The West Coast trips are broken up. That's super nice for the Bucks. I think that's extremely convenient. They do not have one large West Coast trip where they're on the road for six or seven games. They're in increments. Like they have a three three game one, then they have another three game one, and then they have a two game back to back with Denver and Utah, which is not as scary because Utah is going to be tanking this year. Likely Donovan Mitchell will be traded by then. Uh, they're taking for Wembenyama. So, and I think it's later in the year too. It's like in late March. So definitely convenient for the Bucks, um, and something that makes their life, I think, a little bit easier. So not, you know, not that long West Coast trip that doesn't exist this year, um, which is, is different than last year and the years past. Uh, as for the big teams, uh, they play Brooklyn, Miami, Philadelphia four times this season. So there's obviously going to be areas of opportunity, but also with that, you could have split potential where you're two and two against those teams and you need to rely on another tiebreaker when it comes down to playoff time. Now, who knows with Brooklyn, right? But I truly think that Durant and Kyrie are going to be back. Um, I can't imagine that Durant won't be. Um, I think the way that Durant has handled this has been terrible. I, I don't need to be the next guy to tell you that. I think everybody feels that way. But I will at least include Brooklyn into this mix. Um, but yeah, four times against them and then three against the Celtics. Uh, that sucks because that means you have to make every game count. Like that Christmas game matters a lot, right? Where it's like you have to make sure that if the Celtics are the best team in the East this year that you have two wins against them. So banking those first two wins, I think the next game is actually on Valentine's Day. I think in Milwaukee. So you're like you have to win those games. You just have to. And if you win those games... Then I think that really helps, you know, whether it be for tiebreaker and sake, if it comes down to the finish line. So yes, 
Uh, I would have preferred four against Boston, so you had that split capability, but they have it against the other teams. Uh, and I, I actually do like, even though it's like, well, we have to play Philly, we have to play Brooklyn, we have to play Miami four times, like that, that kind of sucks. It's still nice in the sense that you have more, there's more opportunity. You don't feel that pressure to win each game. Like there's a little bit of a house money proponent, even if you were to lose that first game, because you're like, all right, I have three more opportunities. Like there's there's nothing to say that you can't win, you can't go three and one one against these guys, even if you lose that first one. Last start, uh, they have 32 uh, national television games. Some of that's NBA TV, but there's a lot of attention around the Bucs. There's, I feel like they did a good job. I haven't really done the full deep dive of the schedule. I know that I've mentioned to you guys in the past that I'm a slut for a good schedule. Uh, so I, I haven't done that in full, but uh, I, I plan to look through it a little bit more. But I still think that they did the Bucks right. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of Lakers. You're, I, I'll be curious to see how they handle the Nets thing. Um, I still think they're putting the Nets on a decent amount, right? You have to just assume that Durant and Kyrie are going to be there, like I just mentioned. Um, and if they aren't for some reason, you can always pivot. And I think the league has done a better job with their flex. I think they still have a little bit of work to do uh, with you know those primetime games. And maybe there's more to that. I'd love to like know that. Maybe I should like write into John Orant or Andrew Marshawn's podcast and be like, "Can you explain to me why you know they team like NBA and MLB can't flex their like you know late night games like the Brewers and Reds were playing uh, I think two weeks ago was it and there was like Dodgers Padres there was I think Mets Braves were that weekend like there were so many better games than Brewers Reds I'm like how the fuck is this going on now I think part of it is they had Yankees Red Sox I think that was right so or there was some like major oh no it wasn't Yankees Red Sox it was Yankees Cardinals so like the entire nation basically got Yankees Cardinals and so maybe that's it that they are like, well, we know a majority of the people would want to watch Yankees Cardinals and they're fine watching local if need be. So I don't know. It's it's just an interesting thing. And I think it's a little more interesting with the NBA because they usually just have, they have one game at 7.30 and sometimes it can be complete shit. Like I, I know they'll try to put the Knicks on there and you don't know what the Knicks are going to look like. Maybe you can make assumptions and you hope the Knicks are going to be good. But yeah, you run the risk with the Knicks and like the Bulls are another example where like you hope the Bulls are good again. Like that's good for TV. Like they had the most they had the most attendance last season. So you hope that the Bulls are going to be good. They still bring attention. You know, you saw the honest comments this week. Like he wasn't wrong when he said that. And so yeah, it, there are definitely risks. But I hope the NBA is a little more open to flexing around things when it makes sense. All right. Last topic. Uh, we'll do this quick. I, I always do this. I always say like, oh, we're gonna have a short podcast, and then it's a long ass podcast. Um, so as for the Milwaukee Brewers, they lost again two to one. Uh, the Brewers will be playing uh, against the Dodgers at one o'clock tonight today, so probably a little bit stale. So I try. I'll try not to do too much. We'll do a little more on the Brewers tomorrow. I have an interesting topic uh, to take us into Friday's show, but with. The Brewers, they, they looked apart pitching-wise. Like, they have shown that they are legit during this stretch against the Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, they've they There's nothing more that you can say that is negative, right? Eric Lauer gave up two home runs, made two mistakes. That's it. Like And, and that's happened, you know, it happened with Aaron Ashby, right, against the Cardinals on Sunday. Uh, that happened with, I don't know if it was Freddy Peralta that gave up the runs against on Monday that was kind of more the bullpen uh you also had it on I think Friday with Lauer again where he made two mistakes 
And Eric Lauer shouldn't get punished for two mistakes. Brewers should have enough offense there. Brewers have touted that, hey, our offense isn't that bad. Well, your offense is not bad against good, bad teams, but against good teams, you fail to show up. And that's been the case all season. And it's been really frustrating to watch. It's been really disappointing, honestly, to watch the Brewers struggle like this against good teams. And their offense continues to show that they're not ready. Uh, Craig Council made, I think, what was a bad decision by taking out Colton Wong in the, I think it was the seventh inning. Or I understand the idea with Mike Brousseau. I understand that he's been a good pinch hitter. I understand he's very good against lefties. But I would have done lefty-lefty with Colton Wong and just left him in there and then put in Brousseau potentially for Luis Urias. Luis Urias has been struggling all August. He's really not necessarily, I know he had a couple moments against the Cardinals, but like it's been rough for Luis and he keeps getting time and the Brewers don't have many options right now. Jace Peterson still has that elbow injury and while I had frustrations with Jace and I've mentioned that I don't think Jace is a clutch hitter, uh, he still would be a nice to have right now with Urias' struggles. And even when Jace comes back, I don't know how much he can do with a UCL injury. Like I would probably prefer to bring somebody up or you know use Keston Hura maybe a little bit more and have it be Brousseau and Akira or you know just I don't know whether whether we chose that guy right now. I think he's struggling and the Brewers again they didn't necessarily do enough at the deadline. And they're not the only team and I just don't know. I mean maybe the asking price was too high. I still would love to understand why Brennan Drury is not a Milwaukee Brewer member. I understand that Urias was playing well, but just in case, like that that's the thing. The Brewers never did the just in case. Like Robbie Grossman, I think he had, he had one home run or two home runs for the Braves last night. Like Robbie Grossman's a guy you could have easily put in center field and just said, all right, we're going to sacrifice a little bit of defense. But Robbie Grossman has enough power. He grinds at bats. Like there's, there'd be nothing wrong with having Robbie Grossman at the bottom of your order. And of course the Braves get him. And of course he, you know, he gets home run off Scherzer yesterday. It's like, where where the fuck was that? And so I think the more you watch this offense and you're like against good teams and you see the struggle, the more frustrated you get with the Brewers game plan. And I understand that you don't want to you want to hold down the prospects and you want to make sure that you're trading the right guys. And I do think like you're starting to see the cream rise to the top in AAA with Freelix's performance has been excellent. Esturi Ruiz has also been really good. I think both there's an opportunity that maybe both Ruiz and Freelix are up in September. I think Ruiz for sure, especially with the way that he he runs the bases. I think that's a guy that's perfect as a September call-up and maybe Freelix is as well. Um, but that could be the dudes. And then it's like, all right, do you look to move Weimer and and Mitchell? And then say, all right, those are the guys that we look at as potential trade options. Is Ethan Small that guy, right? I don't know. So I think the Brewers have a lot of work to do. And I, I understand that they love their guys. They want to make sure their guys are good. But at some point, you have to admit that you're wrong. And I think there's been a stubbornness about the Brewers this year that I think has rubbed the fan base the wrong way, especially offensively. And I, I kind of have a theory on that. Um, I, I almost want to save it for a podcast with Mitch and I. Um, and I, I have a, a little bit of a conspiracy theory brewing. So I will say that is a tease. Um, I was at the ball game yesterday. I had amazing seats. Uh, I was like eight rows back. Um, as good as seats as I'm going to get. I wish there was more offense. 
um, was very thankful uh, to watch watch from those um, and get to take it all in. It was a beautiful, beautiful night for baseball. Uh, was with someone who had never been at Miller at uh, AmFam, so he had a lot of thoughts. He was fascinated by the bar shuttles. He's from Seattle. He's like, "Oh my God, they do this!" I'm like, "Yeah, we try to prevent drunk driving here, even though we have very loose drunk driving laws." Um, so it's fun. Um, would definitely. I'm going. I think again next Friday. So you know, just I'm still I'm still going. Like I still believe, but yeah, it's hopefully by next Friday they're not out of playoff contention. But even if they are, it's be still fun to beat up on the Cubs. All right. That does it for today's show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, I'm going to do a podcast tomorrow. Um, I'm traveling, but I'm going to hopefully get a podcast out for you guys tomorrow night. And so you have it ready for your Friday commute. Um, or you can kind of back these two up and have them both. This is a little evergreen. So it's definitely not one you have to listen to uh, first thing today. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.